This is Patrick Henningsen, and you're listening to On the QT at 21wire.tv. Accessing confidential data. Welcome to On the QT at 21wire.tv. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Thank you for joining us for this new fortnightly podcast here at 21wire.tv. On the QT, where I take you for a tour through the headlines and behind the headlines, where we deconstruct and explain some of the most audacious news stories of the day. This week, we'll be looking at the what many might not be aware of, but what is clearly uh, the feud between Hillary Clinton and uh, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, which is playing out in the public sphere. Uh, We're going to deconstruct that. We're going to play a few clips of interviews from Julian Assange recently. And I'm going to show you uh, what is the conflict, uh, where does it come from between these two people? Uh, we've done some some fairly deep research we're going to share with you in this program. So this is a 90-minute podcast. The first 30 minutes of this podcast will be free, uh, and this will be freely available on all our platforms. And after that, on the other side, members to 21wire.tv, subscribers and members will have full access to the premium segment of the show. And this is a new show, so we're we're just finding our feet. Uh, but in order to make this show, this program, and others uh, possible uh, on a network, including Insight and even the Sunday Wire at 21wire.tv, we do rely on your uh, subscriptions. We've just opened up a subscription membership drive uh, just in the last few months. It's going very well. We're very pleased. Uh, a number of people have come on board to help make this possible. And we're going forward over the next 12 months. We've got a, other programs we'd like to launch uh, in addition to these as well. And we're going to need your help to do it. Uh, so after the 30-minute mark, uh, members will be able to hear the full 90-minute uh, podcast uh, here on the QT. Now now for the business at hand. Uh, in the media, recently Julian Assange, uh, founder of WikiLeaks, document dump website, has been in the news. Uh, in recent news, and uh, we've seen uh, leaks coming out of WikiLeaks that have had quite tremendous effect uh, on the U.S. political presidential race, in particular the Democrats and Hillary Clinton. And uh, in July, uh, a tranche of documents were released on WikiLeaks, which resulted in the resignation of five I believe five top uh, Democrat National Convention uh, employees, staffers, including the head, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Now, this should be an indication of how focused, uh, but also how serious the documents coming out of WikiLeaks are. And uh, a lot of people haven't followed this story, so we're going to walk you through uh, some parts of it uh, here today this week. And, uh, you know, normally we have a range of topics on the QT and we sort of uh, hit, a, say, two or three main subjects. 
this week, I think we're going to have to focus on this uh, one in particular uh, because it's so important and so timely. Now, other documents are due to be released uh, in the coming days, per- perhaps tomorrow, uh, perhaps the day after. We're not sure this week. And these could have a profound effect on the U.S. presidential election. Currently, uh, currently, right now, uh, I think uh, Hillary Clinton is, on average, polls uh, leading Donald Trump uh, anywhere between five and a half to six percent nationally. And uh, I believe Donald Trump has gained a point in the last uh, three days this week, after his uh, immigration speech in Phoenix, Arizona, just down the road here, and also his trip to Mexico, uh, had gained a point in the polls over a three-day stretch. And so that gap uh, of five and a half to six percent is tightening, and that's a fact. This is a reality. Uh, so pretty much the media had written Trump off last week, and uh, it was you know the fat lady had sung as far as most of the U.S. mainstream media were concerned. Uh, and now you can see the pundits on TV getting nervous. Uh, you can see them. Even David Axelrod seemed to be lost his composure completely on CNN. You could tell the confident swagger was gone. Uh, they are actually worried uh, right now. And I think one of the things that could turn the momentum in favor of someone like uh, Donald Trump in this pretty much a two-man race, uh, Gary Johnson and uh, someone else by the name of Stein, I think, Jill Stein, I'm not sure, Green Party candidate, picking up one or two points. Gary Johnson's anything between uh, 7.5 to 10%, depending on who you talk to. Uh so I don't think they're going to show or at least be giving a stage at one of the three presidential debates, which are scheduled to begin in September. So it is a two-man, two-person race. Sorry, uh, Hillary Clinton is a woman. So a two-person race, uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. So if WikiLeaks drops a bomb, a wiki bomb, uh, this week or in the next couple of weeks, uh, this could result in a couple of points going towards Donald Trump. Now, once that momentum is achieved, then any, you know, it is anybody's race uh, to win at that point. Uh, It's not necessarily uh, Hillary's to lose anymore. Uh, It is for both of them up for grabs to win. It's very tight, very close race. Um, More than anything, this presidential race in 2016 reminds me so much. Now, a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, you're going to say, uh, 2012, no. Uh, You're going to say 1992, no. This reminds me so much of the 2000 election, but not in the the way that you might think. But we're coming off the back of a two-term Democratic president, Bill Clinton, a very controversial president, and the vice president slipped in, was more or less considered by many a shoo-in, uh, the economy was riding on a high in 1999. The dot-com bubble was inflated enough that enough people had money, and uh, it was money. It was money for nothing, basically. If anybody remembers 1999, um, you just had to have, have a stupid idea, and you could get an IPO in the Silicon Valley, and everybody was just making hay while the sun shined. And that party lasted for a few more years before the bottom fell out, like all. Uh, elaborate Ponzi schemes, the dot-com bubble uh, completely exploded uh, in 2000. So Al Gore was a shoo-in. The Republicans ran George Bush, somehow won the primaries on the GOP side. 
and people, he was the butt of so many jokes. And it reminds me so much of Donald Trump. Uh, George Bush was gaff prone to the extreme, much like Donald Trump. You know, the, the Donald Trump is his own worst enemy. Um, you don't know what's going to come out of his mouth uh, at any turn, and he's still suffering and picking up the pieces for things that he said over a year ago. So George W. Bush in 2000, in the 2000 election, was basically, there was no chance. And in the end, uh, a, a number of clever talking points were circulated, um, which tended to work at the last minute. Uh, one of them was, I, I, I don't know, I think this was probably something out of Karl Rove, uh, his, one of his master jewels of electioneering that someone was heard to be saying George Bush was somebody I could sit down and have a beer with. And that worked uh, at the time. That resonated with quite a few voters, enough to make it close enough that it was a dead heat. So Al Gore just completely blew it. He blew the lead. He was ahead in the polls. Uh, a lot of people expected he was going to walk straight into the White House in 2000. It didn't happen. He won the popular vote and arguably won Florida as well. But um, in classic uh, surrender fashion, Al Gore threw in the towel, if anybody remembers, in 2000 and just completely gave away the presidency. Uh and the U.S. Supreme Court effectively decided to halt uh, the recount. I think this was on the second or third round and uh, overturned a decision by the Florida uh, State Supreme Court. And at the time, George W. Bush's brother Jeb was governor of Florida. The whole thing was a stitch up quite clearly. And, you know, any even a even a, a baboon uh, in the jungles of Borneo would tell you this was a stitch up. Um, but, but that shows you how clever, uh, generally how clever the US media is. They fell for all this sort of spin. And then George W. Bush uh, appointed his cabinet in December. R while, while this arguing back and forth about the recount and the Florida vote tallies was happening, George Bush just went ahead and basically appointed his cabinet. And he was very clever, or they were very clever, or his handlers, Dick Cheney was very clever, whoever was running the, the presidency. Uh, they basically appointed Colin Powell, I believe, I might be wrong, as Secretary of State, and, or, and Condoleezza Rice as uh, national security, uh, head of national security, I'm not sure, or vice versa, but Rice and Powell. So they had a woman, a black woman, and a black man in the cabinet, and I think, I'm not sure the head of the CIA was uh, at the time, but it seemed to be like a rainbow sort of cabinet. And so the public more or less th thought they did a value judgment, the media as well, well, oh, look, it's a diverse cabinet. Uh, we might as well just give it to him. Al Gore throws in the towel and was rewarded with uh, being the king of uh, the environmental movement. That was his payoff, uh, the, car the carpet, Chicago climate exchange, carbon exchange, which ended up collapsing and he cashed out for quite a lot of, many millions of dollars actually, before the carbon market collapsed that Al Gore created. That's another story. We can discuss that another time. But it, this, this election reminds us so much of that. So here we have Hillary Clinton, who essentially is a continuation of a two-term Democratic president, Barack Obama, and in a way, also a continuation of, of Bill Clinton's 
uh, eight years in office, Hillary Clinton. So she was first lady. She wasn't elected to anything in the White House before, but she was more or less, by many people's reports, running the White House while Bill Clinton was was running around doing other things, um, not much governing, uh, but uh, chasing women and interns uh, around the White House and around Washington, who knows where, who knows where else. So that's what the similarities are uncanny. And right now it's, it's Hillary's to lose, much like Al Gore. It was his election to lose. Now it's Hillary's to lose. They have a candidate on the other side that everyone's ridiculing, making fun of, thinking no way, no way Bush would ever be president. I don't know how many people I heard say that. Probably I'd lose count in 2000. And the same with Trump. There's no way he'll be president. And lo and behold, George Bush was elected in 2000. Somehow he he got, got, got in the White House. And this could happen with Trump. Uh, there could be a swing at the last minute. So let's take a look at uh, a recent interview. I'm going to play you. This is, this is a two-part interview. This was by Fox News with Julian Assange. And he's specifically talking about the release, the impending release of these documents by WikiLeaks. And this is very interesting. And we, we learn a little bit. Uh, about how Julian Assange is presenting himself in WikiLeaks. By the way, he's held up uh, in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Uh, he's been detained, per se, for um, a couple of years now, and uh, I, th- I think he's still in the Ecuadorian embassy. Unfortunately, on this Fox clip, Megyn Kelly says from an undisclosed location, so the fact that it, I, I can't believe she didn't know that he was in the Ecuadorian embassy, but but she is a Fox anchor after all, so you have to give them a little bit of, a little bit of extra leeway. They're supposedly uh, call themselves journalists. Um, everyone in the world knows where he is, except um, Megyn Kelly, unfortunately. But beside, put that, put that beside the point. Listen closely. We'll learn a little bit more about this, and I'll play you part two. We'll discuss the part one, and then we'll play you part two after that. Hold on. Here it is, part one. Assange, co-founder and editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks. He only agreed to speak to us from an undisclosed location since he is currently wanted for extradition by Sweden and he's under investigation by the U.S. government, too, for his role in the largest leak of classified documents in U.S. history. Here is part one of that exclusive interview. Watch. Julian, thank you very much for being here. So let's start with the additional information you have regarding Hillary Clinton. When can we expect this information? Well, we're working around the clock. Uh, we have received quite a lot of material, uh, stimulated, of course, by the U.S. election process and by our, our major DNC revelation, which has now led to the resignation of five top officials in the DNC, including Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, the president, the last one, uh, late last week. So, you know, it's a, it's a complex business, what we do. Um, we have to uh, assess the veracity. We have a perfect 10-year record so far uh, in never getting it wrong. Uh, we want to keep that reputation, uh, understand how things should be formatted, what media we should be uh, involved in, what is the best way to stage it out. Uh, do we accumulate everything, assess it, publish it all in one batch, mm-hmm. uh, or do we do several batches? The approach uh, that we've decided to take uh, is that we do several batches. But what, I mean, give us a general sense. I mean, are we, are we going to see it before the November 8th election? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, in the case of the DNC uh, leaks, for example, uh, we uh, pushed as fast as we could uh, to try and get it in before the uh, Democratic nomination conference because obviously people have a right to understand uh, who it is that they're nominating and what sort of process was involved. And the same is true here uh, for the US electoral process. Uh, people involved in that election uh, have the right to understand uh, who it is they're electing. Now, you've seen it, right? Can, can you tell us how significant you believe it is? I mean, compare its significance to what we saw released by WikiLeaks in July. Well, we, I don't want to scoop ourselves. Uh, we have a lot of pages of material, thousands of pages of material. So, uh, it's, no, I have not read every single page. Uh, we're hard at work uh, in doing that, um, trying to understand, etc. I don't want to give the game away, but um, it's a... A variety of different types of documents from different uh, types of institutions that are associated uh, with the uh, election campaign. Uh, some quite um, unexpected uh, angles that are, that are you know, quite interesting, some, um, some even entertaining. Do you, you know, right now, according to the average of all polls, she's beating Donald Trump by 5.5 uh, points nationwide. She's way ahead of him in most of the swing states, not all. Do you believe the information in your possession could be a game changer in the U.S. election? I think it's significant. Uh, you know, it's, it depends on how it catches fire in the public uh, and in the media. Okay, so that was part one of the Julian Assange interview with Fox. Very interesting. And also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to note that uh, I believe even this, this uh, news anchor, Megyn Kelly, and, and many most people at Fox, would, cla- would have classed Julian Assange as a, a sort of a criminal-type character, a traitor, guilty of espionage, etc. They throw him right under the bus with Ed Snowden uh, and anybody else, uh, Bradley Manning. Chelsea Manning, whatever, whichever you re- prefer to call it, uh, Bradley Manning, let's say, from the trial. Um, criminals, basically, for uh, leaking information, embarrassing to the U.S. government, etc. And this is essentially what WikiLeaks has done. Now, Fox would have crucified this man, and now they're allowing him to hold court on their network. And this shows you uh, the power of politics uh, because Julian Assange has Hillary Clinton in his crosshairs with this information leak. Uh, All of a sudden now he's given uh, a special platform uh, on a right-wing news network like Fox. Not that that makes a whole lot of difference in the large scheme of things. And I'll tell you why a little bit later in this broadcast. But it is interesting. Now, part two of this uh, interview uh, has a few more details in it. It has to do with a 27-year-old Democratic National Committee staffer named Seth Rich. And uh, Seth Rich was an IT specialist, a computer programmer, uh, definitely in the inner circle, handling the most sensitive uh, IT aspects of, of of the Democratic Party in one of the most important elections uh, in U.S. history, and uh, in July, Seth Rich uh, was shot and killed uh, near his apartment in Washington D.C. 
and uh, he wasn't. Uh, no one took his wallet. His watch wasn't robbed. So quite clearly, this looks like to many people that this was some sort of a hit. Now it's inferred in this conversation I'm about to play you uh, that Seth Rich was somehow connected to the leak of this information to WikiLeaks somehow Uh, because not least of all we'll say because WikiLeaks has offered a reward of $20,000 to any information that might lead uh, to the apprehension or arrest of the killer of Seth Rich, 27-year-old DNC staffer. So this is when the plot gets very thick. Now, before I play you part two, I, I just want to also point out that this interview was heavily edited by Fox. So this goes back to my original point, uh, whether Fox is a right wing or left wing, uh, they are covering for the establishment. Um, something of this magnitude, you would just play the whole interview in full. If this was a real media outlet, if these were real journalists, unfortunately, that's not the case, uh, as we know. So it was heavily edited, this interview. And in fact, they claimed that they were going to put the full interview up on their Facebook page because they said, they were, oh, we've run out of time. You'll hear it at the end of the segment, which I think is interesting. You have one of the biggest scoops of the year in the biggest election contest of the year. And uh, Fox, oh, sorry, Julian, we've run out of time. We'll put the full interview up on our Facebook page, maybe, they said. Now, I've been to Fox's Facebook page. I couldn't find the full interview. Now, maybe I, maybe I wasn't looking or maybe I didn't scroll down uh, or was scrolling too fast. I, I couldn't find the full interview, uh, but I found the edited clips that I'm playing you uh, on a number of platforms. So, But I've already got those. Um, where is the full interview? Why did Fox edit it so heavily for national TV? So it shows you they're, they're, playing, they're still playing politics at the end of the day, even if it means nailing their so-called adversary, um, Hillary Clinton on the Democratic side. The Republican-aligned network, Fox, will still... Uh, basically mitigate uh, the damage uh, which Julian Assange would be unleashing in that interview uh, because they represent the state at the end of the day, although a wing of the state, of the political, uh, the two-party state, they still represent the state nonetheless. And this is why they've done that. But uh, we're going to play, we'll play you part two of that interview uh, along with another a very rare UK media interview that Assange did that probably very few people had a chance to, to watch or see, much less analyze. And this is where the real clues are. I'm also going to play that after the part two of the Fox segment here with Megyn Kelly. But we're going to do that on the other side uh, of this broadcast on the QT. Uh, so... If you're a member, uh, go ahead and just uh, click uh, on the link uh, below to get to the full episode. And if you're not a member, do consider subscribing and becoming a member uh, to 21wire.tv and help make this and all of our other programs possible. Uh, So I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. 
We'll see you on the other side. Tune in Sundays at noon Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the Sunday Wire for three hours of action-packed talk radio on 21stCenturyWire.com and AlternateCurrentRadio.com. This is Patrick Henningsen, and you're listening to On the QT at 21wire.tv. Accessing confidential data. 